For almost 2,000 years, the Catholic Church has pointed the way toward salvation through Jesus Christ. For each of us, that journey starts in darkness, as in a cave. We invite you now to join us as we seek wisdom and truth by way of faith and reason with your guides, Mark Tuttle, Timothy O'Donnell, and Joseph Tomasian. Join us in the Catholic Cave. Welcome once again to the Catholic Cave. I'm Kent Blanford in the cave with me, your two favorite troglodytes, Mr. Timothy O'Donnell, Mr. Mark Tuttle. Gentlemen, there's a lot of evil in the world. Boy, howdy. But there's also a lot of good in the world. So, how do we, in some cases, how do we differentiate between the two? Because evil sometimes masquerades as the good. Boy, that's the truth. That is uh, that is a great question. You know, kind of this this really, Mark. Don't you think we pick up maybe a little bit from a previous show where we were talking about human dignity? Um, and in that episode, we were talking a little bit about what are the foundations for human life? Why is human life valuable? And we brought up the good. So this is a this isn't necessarily a required sequel to that, uh, but I do think it. I do think there is some continuity that we want to talk about in today's show about what do we mean by the good? What What is, maybe even what is evil, uh, both from a philosophical standpoint, but but there's also a moral, there's moral evils too. Right, and the funny thing about good and evil too, but, but more about the good, is everybody seems to know what it is. Everybody seems to have some idea of goodness, right? And everybody kind of recognizes that Things aren't perfect, so things have to get better somehow, which, which, which means that there's some sort of understanding there that there is good. But if you ever asked anybody, okay, so what does goodness or what does perfection look like? You'd get a different answer from everybody. Um, there, there would be, you'd be hard pressed to find an agreement on some idea of what goodness really is. So on the one hand, everybody knows it. But on the other hand, nobody knows it. Nobody really knows exactly what goodness is. So it, it, it is sort of an elusive subject because of that. Yeah, and I think there's different ways that we, um, like many words, there's different ways in which we, we think about um, and apply the term good to things. So one, maybe as a, a starting point, I think in terms of uh, philosophy, one way in which the word good is used is... Um, it's a it points to a thing uh, that is uh, meeting um, or fulfilling um, its essence or its nature well right another, a kind of a kind of flourishing for the kind of thing that it is yeah I, another way to, to say that is it, it, it's a something living up to its potential you know when I was in uh, elementary school I always had my teachers always say mark you're not living up to your potential oh I had that too yeah you know and so you know the um, it wasn't really a compliment either <laughs> no no <laughs> but but when something does live up to its potential in other words it, it, yeah. it fulfills what it's made to be right um, and we talk about animals this way a lot, you know, especially mm-hmm. pets. You know, you 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 can have a, a good hunting dog or you can have a bad hunting dog. And there's, you know, sort of 
criteria that go along with that. You know, sure. to have a hunting dog, the, the dog has to be responsive and, and obedient. The dog has to, to be willing to jump into the water to go fetch the ducks. The dog right. has to not eat the ducks. Right. You know, bring them back. Bring them back. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. So retrieve them. You know, there's, there, there's certain requirements and then there's physical requirements that make a, a yeah, good they hunting dog. You gotta be able to too. swim. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And and then, you know, we, we have, um, you know, confirmation shows to see which dogs meet the physical goodness of the oh, breed. Yeah. So, um, you know, dogs, you can definitely see this play out of you've got good Cocker Spaniels and bad Cocker Spaniels. Mm-hmm. And a good judge will be able to tell very quickly, okay, that's that's not a great Cocker Spaniel. But another, ju- you know, another dog would be... a. a a wonderful specimen and that's going to be kind of a, a show dog. Yeah, that, that that's a great analogy. I also think of uh this, you know, for right now we're we're doing we're you know, planting some stuff trying to grow some like herbs, a little herb garden, some other stuff. And as you're watching these plants grow, you uh you know, we have some tomato plants. So let's I don't know, let's I think maybe 10 of them. And you go out and you go look at them and and what you're you, you're assessing is you can say, well, this, yeah, they're not all doing equally well for reasons, maybe of sunlight, nutrition, you know, in the soil, um, uh, those sorts of things. And you're looking at them and you're going, well, some of them, some of these tomato plants, like the one that's really flourishing, the one that has the most tomato plantness about it is the one you say is good. That's a really good one because it's thriving. And there are other ones that you say that plant's not that great because it's maybe its leaves are yellow, maybe it's not growing as fast, and there's uh, maybe it's not bearing as much fruit as others. And you'd say, well, that one's not as good. So good point can point to, like you said, to the the uh, the thing itself, how well it's fulfilling um, its nature or essence. It's reaching its potential. Its potential. So the seed has the potential of becoming a tomato plant, full-grown tomato plant, and it's actualizing it. And so a good one is one that that's that is completing that well. So but that that's one way to think about good is relative to its essence or nature, but there are other ways we use the word good. Right. I mean, that's all well and good for talking about dogs or tomato plants, but usually when people talk about goodness, they're talking about human behavior. They're talking about... Well, I would say that's moral goodness. Right. Yeah. They're, they're talking about the right way to act. They're, they're, they're talking about... And, and, you know, there's sort of an offshoot and a derivative. You can say a moral behavior is the way a good person acts. So, um, you know, a, a person that does the right things is a good person. A person that does the wrong things is a bad person. Um, maybe we don't want to call anybody bad these days, but but nonetheless, you know, there's... there's Certainly call their behavior you bad. You can definitely call their behavior bad, and, and usually bad behavior stems from a bad character, right? So um, you right. can call character good or bad. But I'm not quite sure that's used in the exact same way that we talk about, you know, dogs living up to, you know, the the perfect standards of their breed or tomato plants, um, you know, being a, a good, healthy tomato plant. Um, I think, you know, goodness gets used a little bit differently there. Well, I think it's, I think what's going on there, I agree. It's, it's, so I picture in my mind like a dictionary, and then when you look at look up a wor- words and di- uh, many words in the dictionary, there are there are uh, multiple definitions that are numbered, 
I think the word good it falls into that. It's that same kind of thing. So one definition of good is pointing to how well a thing fulfills is fulfills its nature or its essence, it, how well it's thriving for the kind of thing that it is. That's one. A second definition, as you're talking about, I would say is a kind of it's the moral quality. It's a moral quality of whether or not it, of uh, we use the words good and bad or good and evil. We say something when we say someone is a good person. We're typically not saying that we're not typically pointing to like their um, the 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 extent by which that they're they have uh, two arms, two legs, ten ten toes, ten feet, that kind of thing. No, when we say someone's a good person, we're talking about their the moral quality of their of their character, which I th- which I think we would point to. Um, I think a couple of aspects. One would be their thoughts, right? Our thoughts. And then our our actions or behaviors, and we talk about we use the word integrity. I've heard it used this way, and I think this is a good way to to think about integrity. Integrity is when my thoughts, my words, and my actions are all aligned, and so there's a lack of duplicity in me. So what I'm thinking, what I'm saying, and what I'm doing are integrated. So that's a, someone who has integrity is someone who's integrated those three aspects of personhood. And when someone has failed to do that or is failing to do that, we don't like it. And someone's you think it, you you're thinking one thing but saying the opposite, we are or saying one thing and doing the opposite, we have uh, we have words for that like hypocrite, right? We don't like we don't like I it. I was thinking politician. Well, there's a lot of that with those guys. Yeah, there's a lot. They seem to be often um, untethered from the truth, right? They, you know, they, they, the truth doesn't seem to hold much purchase with uh, many politicians, from what I've seen, my observations. But I think that's where good, you know, that's, again, good. When talking about good, a good person, I think we're pointing to that uh, second definition for good, which is pointing to the, the, moral, the moral quality of their, their thoughts, their words, and their deeds. But because we don't live in isolation, because we live in communities, because we live together, that quality of goodness is sometimes, I think, hard to live up to without other people's goodness, right? Um, you know, hence, hence, really, oh, honestly, sure. um, you know, the, the the Catholic Church is teaching on original sin that you know. Sin has, you know, basically has polluted the human stream all throughout history, and because oh, of that, right, I agree with that. Because of that, you know, the 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 goodness or lack of goodness of one person is going to affect the 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 goodness of another person. It's it's hard to talk about goodness of individuals in isolation from society. I I yeah, I totally agree with that. Sure, that that's uh yeah, that's that's kind of the the. Um nurture versus nature maybe a little bit where you this is something we've talked a lot about mark over over the years what uh, the importance of say education um being i would say as catholics what what do we really emphasize one of the things we really emphasize is formation in the faith catechesis right learning the faith because when we say someone's a good person that and we're po- i think we're pointing to that they're they're meeting uh, some objective standard of moral uprightness. And so the question then is like, where does that standard of moral uprightness come from? 
And then there's lots of disagreement. And so the one I'll, uh, one area I'll point to um, as a universal uh, moral standard is uh, given to us by God himself is the, t- uh, the Ten Commandments. So one way you can measure someone as being, say, good or bad, good or evil, is to the extent by which they're living up to the Ten Commandments. Right, and on the one hand, that that's those are fairly minimal requirements when when you when you look at them at face value. Have I murdered anybody? No. <laughs> Have I been faithful to my wife? Yes. I mean, those are those are fairly minimal minimal. Um, I think they're say. minimal, but I do think a lot of people struggle to. You look around the world. Oh, you turn on the television. Turn on Netflix. They seem to have, you know, they seem to have no purchase whatsoever on yeah, and uh, I think, what we're what, what we see. Yeah, I think uh, and, around and, us, you know, and and the Ten Commandments are given to us in a negative form, and I think they they kind of do highlight more on the negative side, and that's the that yeah. absence of goodness. In other words, well, the prohibitions, they're, they're prohibitions, but yeah. what what is evil? Well, evil is murdering somebody, right. or or evil is cheating on your wife or evil is perjuring somebody. So those types of things, I think more define evil, which is the absence of good, but it doesn't really help. I think in the long run of getting towards that idea of perfection. Oh, that's and, good. And that's that, a good time. And this would be a perfect time to take a break. We're going to be, take a break. <laughs> We're going to be back with more on the Catholic cave right after this. When you're tired of doing life alone, come back here. We enjoy the company. We hope you do too. Better together. Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy has a new look. It's our website. Yes, we have a new website that makes everything about Catholic Radio Indy easier. It's clean, straightforward, and simple to use. You can listen to us live, see our schedule, and our map. You can even silence your phone and take it right into Mass to follow the daily readings. And don't forget, you can get all of our programming through the podcast tab. This makes everything so much easier. So just go to catholicradioindy.org and check us out. Welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm Kent Blanford in the cave with me, Mr. Mark Tuttle, Mr. Timothy O'Donnell. We were just talking about what is good, and how we decide what is good. And we were talking about the subject of the Ten Commandments came up. Mm. And we talked about the fact that the Ten Commandments tend to look at the thou shalt nots, mm-hmm. the negative sides. Now, guys, Jesus took the next step with that. He gave us the Beatitudes, the, the thou shalts, and yeah. blessed are. How, does the, how do the Beatitudes fit into our concept of good as yeah, Catholics. I, I, that, that, that's great because that brings up two different ways philosophically, I think, to approach the question of, of goodness. One is um, sort of based off of rules and laws, hence our Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt mm-hmm. not, and, and laws tend to, to prescribe, right? They tend to say these types of, of behaviors are prohibited. So if you don't do those things, then you're on the good side. And if you do those things, then you're on the bad side. Mm -hmm. Another way, though, to look at goodness is through virtue, through the lens of what kind of characteristics are you living up to? And that's what the Beatitudes give us, right? Um, You know, poverty of spirit, humility, that that, Mm -hmm. that's a virtue. Um, Being a peacemaker. Being a peacemaker, right? Um, 
trying to think of what word you would give for being a peacemaker as a, as a virtue. I mean, obviously it is a virtue, but what do you call that? What, how does that connect up with other tables of virtues, so to speak? I don't know. I would, I would think peacemaking would probably be most closely associated with justice because it seems that when you have justice seems to be the, the, the single, most important virtue, at least when I think of like Aristotle or Aquinas, when it comes to say the polity. So, um, and then the polity, as you've pointed out a lot of times, Mark, is is really the the individual soul writ large. So, so I'm going to say justice. When you have when you have true justice in a in a society, it brings it brings about that tranquility of order or right. peace. And same thing, same thing within an individual as well. When right. you have when you have as you were saying, when you have that integrity. Um, yeah. about your psyche. Yeah. You're at peace. You 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 have a sort of inner peace. Yeah, and, because and, you have that inner you're right. That's good. Because when you don't have integrity, when I'm thinking one thing, saying something else, doing something a third thing, there's a kind of inner conflict, right? <laughs> and so when you've harmonized those, you've integrated that. And then there's been a lot of uh good Catholic authors uh over the years have written about, you know, uh integralism, right? Personal integralism. How do you integrate um, how do you integrate these things? Right, and integralism is really more of a, a political movement in some ways too. Of how do you, inter- yeah. yeah, how do you, how do you integrate Catholic teaching into society? And I, you know, that's also kind of a, a, a bigger question. Um, and when we're talking about goodness, and when, when we're talking about that, you know, we will have to have that discussion down the road of okay, when we talk about the common good, what what exactly is that? But you know, talking about virtues versus talking about rules for for kind of defining what's goodness, there's some advantages to talking about virtues. Um, you know, when you talk about things being morally good or morally bad, right? So mm. I don't know. Let's take something that's maybe in a gray area. Maybe maybe smoking, right? Um, oh yeah, you know, so smoking's kind of drinking in, could be in that category. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Is it is it morally right or morally wrong? Well. Those questions tend to kind of, um, yeah, they're 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 muddy a lot of times. But if you talk about it in terms of virtue, is it healthy? Um, that's a no-brainer. It's easy to say no. Smoking is not healthy. Um, is it, a particular action was it courageous? Was it just? Talking in terms of virtues makes things much more explanatory, and and also we can have i think better more fruitful disagreements about no that really wasn't cowardly that was that was actually you know somewhat brave of him to do that um in a lot of ways those types of discussions are much more productive than well was that just morally wrong or morally right yeah that that, i i weigh i weigh those two things um frequently when i kind of think about ethics around um ethics uh, balancing is there balancing or is there exclusivity between yeah rules based ethics versus a virtues based because i kind of i kind of i think i'm at the place where uh and this this maybe is a cop out but i kind of think it's i think there's an element of both so i think that there's room there ought to be um laws that like the 10 commandments that create your 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 baseline and then uh, but to, to flourish, to go beyond that, you need to move into the virtues. And as Kent mentioned, the, the, really the flourishing, the fulfillment of 
the Ten Commandments really is, is I would say, the Beatitudes. Yeah, I think you need both because uh, virtues, the, the problem with virtues is they become self-defining to a certain extent. They can be, right. yeah. They can, yep. You can spin out of... Uh, you can spin out of your lane, so to speak, too. Right, right. I mean, because, you know, what's the definition of courage? Well, the definition of courage is what a courageous person does. Well, that it can get kind of circular, but B, you know, when you don't have a lot of good exemplars of a particular virtue, they become watered down. And so I think you, you, need, some, you need some solid standards in rules of, of, okay, you, first off, you can never go there, right? So, I mean, it's one thing to be morally weak, but then it's another thing to cross some big red lines into things right. that are just absolutely prohibited and, and you should never do. Right. So, you know, I think you need the rules for that. But then I think on the positive side, on, on kind of the, the side of goodness, you need some standards of perfection. Yeah. Um, the, the virtues yeah. don't really provide, right? I mean, you, you can have some standards of who's a courageous person, but that, I guess, perfect, that idea of, of perfect courage. They can be hard to find. Exactly. They can be hard to find. And sometimes, too, I do, I do have like a go-to, though, but before I reveal that, it, it, it could, I think often in, in you know, popular culture, you, you might find, let's say you're looking for someone who's that exemplar of courage, you might find that person um, exemplifies courage, but then they have some gi- you know giant defect in another area where they're just they're just you know horrible you know so uh, you, I think you see that a lot where you see uh, say fam- a lot of famous people uh, say at you know actors and actresses you know have uh, at the top of their game fantastic skills of acting right they can do plays movies that kind of stuff so, wow they're a great actor. But the minute they're not acting, they're off, you know, doing and saying really the things that we don't approve of. But I was going to also mention, Mark, this this notion of having uh, of growing in virtue and having exemplars, I also think is is closely related to like age and maturity, like ki- kids growing up right now that now we have our first our first grandchild, little grandson, you know, it's not going to be really helpful the first probably 10 years or more of his life to say, to keep pointing to like uh, role models exclusively. It's really going to have to be based on his age and maturity. There's just going to have to be like, you know, yes and no, like don't do that. Or yes, you should do, you know what I mean? You need kind of a rules based foundation um, for as you, as you age and mature. And then you kind of, I think Kohlberg talked about this and like his hierarchy, one of his hierarchy, it wasn't the hierarchy of needs, but that there's a, as you mature, Aristotle drew the line at like 40 years old. Like before you're 40, you really can't philosophize, really not going to be wise. You just don't have enough experience or education. So I think in that route of moral formation and think yourself as a, a, as a father of a, of a large household, you got to have some rules. It can't just be. Yeah, and, and that's where that's where the social that's where the social element yes. of, of moral goodness yes. comes in because none of us are, are raised in an island, and if you live a life where you are, I guess, not encouraged to do the right thing, or you don't have those rules growing up, or those rules that you have grown up are, are warped, um, your moral character is going to be warped and and stunted. 
you know, beyond that. So, you know, there, there's that, which that brings up another element. There, there's a couple of other elements here, but that brings up one element of culpability. When we talk oh, about good mm-hmm. and bad, we're usually talking about something that you're responsible for, right? Right. Nobody would say if you accidentally did something that that was morally bad. Um, you know, they might say it was bad, but they, they wouldn't yeah. say there was morally bad because there's no responsibility there. So that element of what you're responsible for and what you're culpable comes into it. And that goes beyond just your character, right? That goes, that goes to what's expected of you, what you've learned, what your circumstances mm-hmm. are, what your, your conscience, up, well, your upbringing, your surroundings, the, the society mm-hmm. you live in. Um, all of those things I think go into kind of color what's good and bad. And so talking about just an individual notion of good and bad doesn't quite capture all of it. Well, we also know as parents, um, how important um, your child's friends and peer group are and who they're, because you always want, as a parent, you always want to know, like, who are my kids hanging out with? Because guess what? Your, our kids tend to engage, they want to fit in. And so they're, they're in, they can be, they can be uh, easily swayed by their peer group. So if their peer group is uh, entertaining ideas that are incompatible with your family's moral code and what you want for your kids, you you work towards separating them from these bad influences. Or sometimes uh, it's your own kid who's the bad influence uh, and influencing and talking the other kids into doing something they shouldn't be doing. Yeah, and I think that's where thinking in terms of both rules and virtues mm-hmm. comes into to play and is very helpful. Because on the one hand, you want those rules to be able to, you know, Keep your kid from from doing certain bad things. Yeah, but yeah, on, you got to hit boundaries. But right. on the flip side, you want your kid to develop morally. You you want your mm-hmm. your kid to be able to develop the virtues, and to do that, they've got to be in in situations to a certain extent where they're they're making their own decisions. Once they hit a certain age, obviously you don't yeah wanna, yeah right. you, know, you don't want you don't want to send a eight or nine year old into into certain situations where they've got to really sort of stand up for themselves and and right. you know have the courage of their convictions. Sometimes you don't even want eighteen year olds, right? <laughs> but you know gradually you do want to allow your kids, I guess, to sort of flex those moral muscles for themselves. And so, oh, yeah. you know, you, you can wind up in a, in a situation where your kids are, are, are overly sheltered or, um, you know, haven't really been allowed to a certain extent to assert themselves and stand on their own two feet. And, you know, I, th- I think you wind up having to play a balancing act between having the rules, which are important, but right. then also cultivating the virtues and, and putting your kids in situations where they really can kind of develop their own character for themselves. And with that, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more taking a look at what is good on the Catholic cave. You're listening to Catholic radio Indy. You're listening to Catholic radio Indy converting the culture to Christ through radio featuring 100% Catholic programming 24 seven. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic radio Indy. For a long time, we've been telling you that if you have an Echo Dot or other smart speaker device, you can hear Catholic Radio Indy simply by saying, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Just the other day, I did that, and Alexa was feeling a bit argumentative. I'll let you hear my conversation with her. Uh, Alexa, where are you? Here I am. What do you want? Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Now, just why would you want me to do that? Well, because we've got great programming 24 hours a day. 
Well, a lot of other radio stations have good programs, too. Yeah, but our programming talks about God and eternal salvation. I am very smart. I know almost everything about everything, but I do not know about God and salvation. Well, that's why people need Catholic Radio Indy. So, Alexa, do me a favor. Whenever anyone says, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy, just send them our way, would you? Yes, I will be happy to do that. In the meantime, I am going to do some research about that thing you called salvation. I wonder where I can find out more about that. Welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm Mark Tuttle here with Timothy O'Donnell, Kent Blanford, and we are talking about goodness. We're talking about the good. My goodness. Yeah, which, you know, <laughs> that, that sometimes gets construed as sort of philosophical navel-gazing a lot of times mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, sitting around, looking at the stars, contemplating the good. Smoking um, a cigar. Right, exactly. In a room well-ventilated, let's hope. But, but, or outdoors. You know, I think of all the... Away philo- from others. Yeah, but I think of all the philosophical things you can discuss, this probably one has the most practical application, right? Because... Mm. We're constantly trying to figure out what's what's good, what's best, what 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 should be done, what should we do. I mean, there's there's tragedies within society, and everybody starts clamoring around for okay, how do we remedy it? Because we recognize mm-hmm. that society itself is not perfect, right? Um, yeah, and, far and, from it, and could be better. Well, when you're talking mm-hmm. about better and you're talking about perfect, you're talking about gradations of the good, um, and so yes. That really is where I think the rubber hits the road when we're talking about goodness. It's not so much individual goodness, although, you know, personal ethics, there's a lot, a wide variety and a lot of discussion that you can have on mm-hmm. per- personal ethics, virtue, etc. But the question is, as we're all trying to pursue the good, what is that common good? Yeah, we, we use that term, you know, pursuing the common good. And that has a lot of different meanings. And you can go pretty far astray pretty quickly when you start talking about, well, we need to do this for the common good. I mean, I can think hmm. of a lot of evils that have been done in society for the sake of the common good. Oh, yeah. And the common good, well, I guess it's a more, let's say, abstract um, maybe conception of it is the common good being, you know, bringing about the conditions that uh, produce human flourishing. So, that doesn't get us very far, does it? But no, but no, that's because, probably because I, but that's know, what, but then you got to start unpacking that. But right, I think because, that's what we're after. We're after human flourishing, to and human flourishing is um, best achieved in uh, with togetherness, right? In in communities in a society, like it's it's much much. There's a certain kind of impossibility to have human flourishing in complete isolation right but that gets a little circular when you when you Mm -hmm. say yeah well goodness is human flourishing and what's human flourishing well human flourishing ultimately is the common good so i you know i i think you get you know flourishing and the common good a lot of times they can be thrown out there as synonymous terms right i i would differentiate i think i'm going to differentiate by saying um common good uh the common good are the the set of let's say Again, I use the word conditions. Conditions could mean like projects, activities, goals um, that pro- that will produce or bring about um, the f- the fulfillment of uh, societies in general, um, which is made up of individuals, their potential. So it's bringing out the best. It's allowing people to 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 be the best. Matthew Kelly uses this term: best version of themselves. So what are the what are the activities? What are the projects 
um, levels of cooperation, work um, that put together create an environment in which we can we can become the best version of ourselves. So what are those? So an example, an example, I think that we all agree on and uh, as a project would be education. So we've committed to uh, generally across the world uh, have have now recognized that education is 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 uh, constituent. It's really required to bring about human flourishing for people to be their best, to bring about their best or give them the best opportunity to be the best version of themselves. Uh, education is required. So we have a part of the co- so that becomes part of the common good is to have a, a, an education system available to all. You know, but I think if you go back through Catholic thought a little bit and and you look at St. Thomas, you look at um, the interpretation of, of St. Thomas through Jacques Maritain. So now we're, we're, we're starting to, to name drop here. But um, <laughs> you, you wind up with two ways that the common good goes astray. And I think one of them is this notion of the common good being the conditions for individual flourishing. Um, that that individual flourishing becomes individualism that St. Thomas cautioned against. Yeah, radical and, autonomy. Yeah, yeah I, ex- I would agree. That's a yeah. that's a big problem. And and mm-hmm. on the flip side, you can obviously have the opposite too, where you know the common good becomes some sort of communal life that the good of the individual becomes subservient to. You're just a cog in the machine. Yeah, and, it's know, a kind the, of wicked penal colony. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so you you you've got kind of you've you've got two poles there mm-hmm. and and this is really where the term personalism comes in right people talk about john paul ii's personalism what, mm-hmm. what well what is that well personalism is the idea that the common good stems from the good of the person um and and the good of the person as and and this only comes about in catholicism because you have to recognize the good of the person is that unity that you have with god so right so um so each of us, are, 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 our salvation is as an individual, but that salvation then affects and draws everybody along with it to a certain extent is the idea. Sure. So the common good stems from our individual good, but it, it, it really is an offshoot of us pursuing that individual good, not the other way around. It's not the common good creating the conditions for our goodness. But it's our own goodness creating the conditions for other people's goodness, and so um, you know, you, you there, there's two ways you can really go astray. I think with with talking about the common good, one is to to paint it as some some sort of pursuit of individual flourishing for each and every individual, and and that becomes yeah, sort of radical autonomy, or or even worse, um, you know, completely self obsessed. Um, narcissism, you know, narcissism, exactly. Right. And you know, you, you, you go to Barnes and Noble, you go to the bookstores, you look through the self-help books and you, you can kind of see that our society definitely trends in that direction, that, that yeah. everything that's out there is really for not the common good, but it's all, what can society do for me? Right. It's all, how can I become the best version of myself to a certain extent at the exclusion of other people? And how can, how can I allow other people to help me become the best version of myself? Um, and 
you know, St. Thomas would St. Thomas would correct that. You know, he would say, no, the idea is not to become kind of the best version of yourself. The the ideal is to empty yourself and through that self emptying, bring about the best version of everybody else. Oh, that's that's interesting. I haven't thought about it that way. I I do th- I do think part of uh, um, the the uh, secular contemporary self self help uh, aisle at Barnes and Noble reads to me often like a, a big section of Pelagianism, which of course you know uh, that's a big problem. But that's a heresy, right? I, I think that I think the two are related there, right? So Pelagianism mm-hmm. is basically the belief that I can through my own efforts I can make myself perfect, right? So right, I can right. I can bring about my own perfection through through following virtues, through through following a code. Oftentimes, um, yeah, a certain uh, set the, of beliefs you know, and understanding, seven habits, or you know, so well, <laughs> right. okay, maybe we're not gonna we, we won't accuse Stephen Covey of of complete Pelagianism, but no, um, there's a role for like seven habits. It's for right, exactly. Like there's a role for for bi- building up certain kinds of habits that, right. that but, are conducive to to you know the cardinal virtues. Right, but but we have to recognize that, especially as Catholics, that's not where our perfection lies. You know, our, well, it's not all of it, right? right? It's those are like little aids maybe along the way mm-hmm. versus an ending of themselves, right? But but for us, you know, our our end is really in through giving ourselves completely over sacrificially to God. So, you yeah, know, so that's that, the ultimate good. Right. Sure. So that, that, that sacri- that sacrificial self giving of ourselves then brings about not only our perfection, but the perfection of everybody around us. Well, it sets, sets the example when you talk about exemplars, that was, that was sort of my back pocket a, a segment ago or so where we were talking about, it's difficult to find certainly in the, in the common culture, contemporary culture, it's hard to find, good exemplars of virtue. Uh, but the one go-to place you can find them is in the lives of the saints. Right. So that's where we, that's where we can find really great exemplars of people living lives of holiness and, and, and heroic virtue. Um, I do think though, going back to this, uh, so it's an important distinction. I think you made there is, of course, God is the ultimate good, good itself. Um, and then the common good is are those sets of again kind of we want to undertake uh, together sets of uh, again kind of projects that will that will help us bring about one of the most important is uh, I would say that's constituent of the common good is the uh, liberty of the church and the duty that we have to religion. And that brings up, uh, you know, the con- that brings up the uh, sort of contentious issue of in America, you know, the separation of church and state. Right. Um, not that we're going to get go down that road necessarily too far today, but it it does it does the common good has to have has to have a uh, room for part of and, and maybe the most maybe the most important part is um, this this freedom or liberty for the society to fulfill our religious obligations. And and once again, you know, I think there's a, a, a kind of a, a question and a dichotomy there. And it comes from something we've just sort of assumed, right? So this is a Catholic show. We're on Catholic radio. You are listening to Catholic radio. You're listening I'm a to Catholic. Catholic Cape, right? <laughs> but we... Um, 
we take for granted to a certain extent that God, the, the, the triune mm. God is the ultimate perfection of, of humanity. And maybe that's sort of a, maybe, maybe we, we jump to that conclusion a little too quickly without thinking through what that entails and what that really means to a certain extent. So, um, because it's very different from the pagan conception of the good, right? You you look back at Aristotle, you look back at Plato, and they're talking about the good and everybody pursuing the notion of the good. And for them, what they meant was the good of society, right? So you know the the community itself was the good, right? So the the rational community of of beings that was kind of the highest good, and and that was encapsulated with this this grand idea of reason that. That, you know, reason itself sort of defined what everything else should be. And so reason, you know, it, it manifests itself within the good society. And so goodness came about through being a good member of, of society and being a kind of citizenship. Do you think? And, and not only a certain citizenship, but, you know, an aristocratic, um, you know, kind of being the best and to be the best, you had to be well-born. Um, you, you couldn't just mm. decide to be the best. You had to be born into the the right circumstances mm-hmm. the right class and not only that but then there were certain responsibilities that came with that and and society was layered into this the set of responsibilities and all of that um but as christians we don't see god in that way we see god not just as reason sort of dictating the role of everything else but we see reason as freely given and and honestly to a certain extent, sacrificing itself for the sake of everybody else and everything else. And with that, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more, taking a look at what is good on the Catholic Cave. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy. So the scan button brought you here. Awesome. We like company. Get to know us. And if you have to leave, come back. You're always welcome. Catholic Radio Indy. You know us as Catholic Radio Indy, but we're so much more than just radio. We're a website, catholicradioindy.org, with access to great Catholic resources, including podcasts of all our local programming, podcasts that have been downloaded from all 50 states and over 40 countries on six continents. Yes, we are Catholic Radio Indy, but thanks to your support, we're taking the gospel of Christ to the ends of the earth. Catholic Radio Indy and catholicradioindy.org. Welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm Mark Tuttle here with Timothy O'Donnell and Kent Blanford, and we are talking about the good. And as we took a break, I was explaining that, you know, the understanding of God as ultimate goodness really does, I I think, shift. And because we're Catholics, that conception is very different than the idea of goodness as it was talked about by Plato and Aristotle and the pagans. Because for our good, God became man. He sacrificed himself. He gave all to us so that we can do the same. And it's that self-giving love that's ultimately goodness that would have just sounded, as as um, as Paul points out, you know, that's foolishness to the Greeks. Um, you know, this idea of sort of a, a self-giving good that, and, and here's why it, it fits in with a, a conversation of the common good because you can't give yourself over when there's nobody else 
right? I mean, you, you, you can't sacrifice yourself and give your life for the sake of another when there is no other. So right there, you're differing from any sort of individual good. And at the same time, you're also not relying on the good of the community for the sake of your own good, you are sacrificing yourself. And the ideal there is Christ on the cross, giving himself up for the good of everybody else. Yeah. And that, that to me is, um, love, right? Love. You see Christ, um, his, his passion, death and resurrection is the, the ultimate, um, sign of love. Um, when you're describing that, um, it reminded me of something, again, not to harken back to all of our previous shows, which are available on podcast, by the way, you can go listen to them. But it made me think of, you know, we've talked in the past, Mark, about, uh, again, not to really name drop too much, but that great philosopher, Rene Girard. And one of the, the just, I, in reading him um, in his book on like sacred violence, for him, the really turning point, I think, in his own conversion was that distinctiveness of of Jesus Christ the god man the god who becomes man and bears the sin of the world and immolates himself through his passion and crucifixion um and becomes the saving sacrifice the god that becomes the saving sacrifice is com- completely inverts all of the mythos that was out there um, where it was always the the gods themselves, the the god, the sun god, the pantheon of gods, who demanded s- sacrifice in their homage, and Christ inverts that. And for Rene Girard, and I, I would say for believing Catholics, um, other Christians, that is the decisive distinction. This this God Man, this divine person, who lays down his life for love of us to redeem us. Right. And, and I, you know, Gerard starts from the standpoint of envy, right? And, and he basically says, you know, envy is built into the human character. Now we know that through revelation that that envy that's built into the human character comes about through original sin, right? You know, when, when you've got the serpent talking to, to Adam and Eve, um, what is that serpent tempting Adam and Eve with ultimately, well, to be like God, right? So he's inserting that idea of envy that you're not like God and you want to be like God. So, um, you, you want to, to do things to, to be like God, that ultimate envy. And I I think when you get down to the difference between goodness from pagan philosophy, and, and, you know, I think you can look at a lot of modern philosophy as sort of neo-pagan philosophy. Um, when you look at that idea of goodness as wanting perfection, it differing from Christianity because that, that envy is I want to be like God, but what I recognize God as is omnipotence, uh, omnipotence and omniscience. I want to be all knowing and all powerful like God. Whereas the Christian, we recognize through revelation that no, God is, is all self-sacrificial. God is all giving, mm-hmm. all loving, all, all forgiving. Um, and so it's, it's that that we have to sort of emulate. And, you know, I'm not sure it's easy to, to envy 
dying on the cross, right? I mean, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right. Yeah, it's not. It something, looks really hard yeah, and painful. Yeah, we're, and we're, a we're, lot of a lot of suffering. Right. We're we're called to emulate that rather than trying to emulate the omniscience and omnipotence of God. Yeah, we're not looking. Yeah, for the Christian, we know we know that the the you know Easter Easter is only possible by going through the Passion. Right. You can't you don't you don't get Easter without Good Fridays, they say. So. Right. And, and you know, that really, I think, sets aside a Catholic notion of the common good away from a, a more pagan understanding of the common good. Right. Because the, the pagan understanding of the common good was the good of the city. Right. Is the good of the community. Um, you know, we could even stretch that today and say it's it's the good of the world community to a certain extent the christian conception of the common good is that grace that comes about from the self-sacrificial sacrifice and our participation in it through our life in christ so that then kind of permeates the rest of society so it's it's our own initiative to a certain extent of giving ourselves to others that brings about the common good rather than it being something out there that we're trying to create the conditions of for the flourishing of a community or, or the goodness of the world yeah i mean it makes me think of you know we, we know from sacred scripture some of the the, the call to be the light of the world, um, the salt of the earth, you know, the, the leaven in the bread. Um, I do think, though, different periods of time, different places, different times, you there, there have been, I think, some bright spots where the culture has uh, different culture, different moments in culture, different parts of the world have been successful at having more of a Christian culture to them and having more fulfilled some of those uh, or attain some of those characteristics. We live, uh, but I think that's probably across time. That's probably more the certainly more the exception than the rule. Um, but you do see, for example, and I would say right now our current setting is very difficult, right? It's it's very anti-Christian uh, our current setting, and then um, and the and the faith is is being lost r- rapidly, or at least not being transmitted uh, very well. But you do see episodes, I think, where say. Um, you know, the, some of the great Catholic missionary efforts over time going to different parts of the world, uh, sharing the, the gospel, and then having a direct impact, positive impact on their culture and reforming notions of the common good uh, have, have occurred, then, and it's possible. And I, I kind of took, and I think it's kind of fizzled, to be honest with you, but I do think uh, St. John Paul II's call for the new evangelization, I think that's really fizzled. But I, but, I under, but I understood that call that he made is to go back and, and again, sort of re, re-Christianize culture. And it is that balance. I mean, it's about the salvation of souls. So souls are saved, you know, one at a time, but a society that that embraces Christian virtue and supports them, like, for example, that has laws and institutions that reinforce the family is a better culture than one that uh, attempts, seeks to destroy uh, the the uh, nuclear family. Exactly. And and the, the common good comes out of that pursuit of 
personal holiness, right? At, at every level of society. So, um, and yeah. that's ultimately what you have the control over. The most control over is really yourself you, you have, and your own response to, to, to Christ's call to love. But that's also where you can kind of see the injustices in society and work to remedy them too, is, yes. is, is seeing when people are not living up to that, that, that sort of personal responsibility at a, a level, you know, it, I watched the, uh, the musical newsies, um, recently and you I'm know, not sure if that's a good or a bad thing well, to stick with know, the theme of the show. What is that? So, so Newsies, it was, it was a, a musical about a strike by the, 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 the Newsies, the, the newsboys, the ones that were selling the newspapers oh, okay, on the street. Okay, okay. And, it's starting um, to sound familiar. You know, basically... Um, was pure, this like back in the 90s? N- yeah, 80s? the musical okay. was back in the 90s. Okay. The, um, okay. You know, the, the stories like from the 1890s. So, okay. um, but the, um, so, so Pulitzer, who's the, the publisher of the, the newspaper, um, you know, he decides, well, you know we're losing money the way we can make money is we can just sort of jack up the the price and the newsies had to purchase the papers before they could sell them so we can just we can just that's what i had to do with my paper route right exactly exactly so we can we can take all these paper boys and we can basically charge them more and that way we can make up our difference hugely unjust right so so they decide to strike right and so then there's the question of sort of okay what's the justice of of a strike is that is that a just action or not you know in this case it might have been i don't know but the fact of the matter is that condition would have never come to be if mr pulitzer the the owner of the newspaper had been acting justly and had been acting godly and had had been pursuing his own personal holiness rather than pursuing you know sort of his own personal wealth you know if he'd been giving of himself so he had a kind of greed operating yeah exactly but if if he'd been acting yeah if he'd been acting virtuously and looking out for the good and and doing what really was going to be for the best of all of the the people that he was associated with if he was acting out of christian love this set of circumstances would have never come about okay and so you know it's it's that personal pursuit of holiness all the way up and down society that I think yeah. leads to a just society and leads to, to the common good. Well, it's hard to, speaking of which, it's hard to imagine, um, you know, a, a, a leader of a, of a nation, you know, that, uh, that we would say elect or would somehow otherwise come to power that ultimately lives such a life of holiness and virtue, they become canonized. But you look at the lives of the saints and we have any number of kings and queens that have been canonized. It just seems like we don't have the conditions now where, uh, not that not that God couldn't do that, but it seems really unlikely that someone in, in a high national office in the United States or or, or other places is uh you know going to make their way to saint, canonize sainthood. I don't know. Working working with politicians, you know, they're not. You know, we made the the crack about politicians being hypocrites, etc. More often than not, though, you know, politicians are, are good hearted people that are really truly motivated to to do what is what they see as best. I think after a while, the the power does you know start to. Well, the institution, and, I think, has a yeah. deleterious effect on a lot of them, I, right? I think it, I think Either it causing frustration, so a kind of surrender, <laughs> attempting to overcompromise, the pressure of being reelected. Right. There, I mean, there's just you, a lot of arrows coming your way. Yeah, to, to, to accrue more and more power as you're moving up. Because you want to get things done. Well, yeah. you also you also are supported by more and more people with 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 different interests, etc. Oh, and true. so, yeah. as you're as you're as you're being supported by wealthy and and powerful institutions, 
you know, it's harder and harder to sort of assert your independence from that. Yeah. And so all we can say, all we can sum it up is folks try to be good. Whatever you see that as whatever the church teaches that to be, try to be good. And for Mark Tuttle, for Timothy O'Donnell, I'm Kent Blanford. You've been listening to The Catholic Cave on Catholic Radio Indy, and we'll catch you next time. God bless. The Catholic Cave is a production of Catholic Radio Indy. Replays of this program are available in podcast form at catholicradioindy.org. Comments about this program can be addressed to Kent at catholicradioindy.org or by calling 317 317- 870-8400. Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? Podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7 at catholicradioindy.org.